2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in Lions right here on the Believe BLEAV podcast network. That's Detroit's number one sports podcasting network where we believe in the Detroit Lions. And by the end of this episode, so will you. I'm excited to have this episode. We just had the NFL draft. It it went off without a hitch. The Detroit Lions. Very exciting in day one and day two. uh, Filled out, uh, you know, in the third day with some interesting prospects. We're going to talk all about it today on the show, and this is going to be kind of a roundtable show. I've got. uh... I got some guys here that are going to chat about these picks, and and we might have some arguments. We might have some interesting takes. Uh, Should be entertaining. Uh, First guy up on the show, he's a a regular here on Believe in Lions. Once a month or so, he comes on and talks all things Lions with me. Logan Lamarandier, you can read him on SI. He's got uh, lionlowdown.com. Logan, how are you? I'm doing good. Excited to talk about the draft. Finally happened. Absolutely, man. Lots to talk about. Uh, we also have Paul Jackson. Paul from Tampa. He's a, a, a regular on Believe in Lions talking free agency. Me and him had a lot of great free agent shows. And now we're going to be moving on to other things because <clears throat> free agency and the draft are now complete. So excited to talk about that. Paul, how are you
1: I'm doing great? Let's do it, my man.
2: Let's let's get into this. But we got one other guest to introduce. It's my buddy. He goes by one name. His name is Grifka. Uh, This is my uh, co-host, my uh, longtime buddy that started the Detroit Kool-Aid cast with me, which is another podcast I do Wednesdays and Fridays. We drop shows. We have lots of fun, lots of laughs on that show. Uh, We get into some big time arguments. But uh, like I say, he's a great guy. Grifka, happy to have you on Believe in Lions. You are the rookie today, but we're happy to have you.
3: Yeah, it's uh, nice to be here to talk about the draft.
2: Absolutely. Everybody, let's dive right into it. Uh, no time to mess around. Jeffrey Okuda at number three. Lots of people wanted a trade down. Lots of other things were, were rumoring in At the end of the day, the Lions take Jeff Okuda at number three. Logan, I'll go to you first. Just, uh, you know, were you happy with this pick? Uh, talk a little bit about the player.
0: Yeah, I, th- I was happy with the pick. Obviously. You know, the trade down situation never came to fruition. It would have been nice if they were able to boom back a few spots, but when there's no offer on the table, there's not a lot you can do, and you have to pick the best player available. And in my mind, that was Jeffrey Okuda. Uh, not only was I thought he was the second-rated non-QB talent in the draft, but he fits the Lions' scheme perfectly in what they want to do. He's just a long corner, uh, has really quick feet and fluid hips, and he's a man man cover corner, and he's just very sticky in the Lions' – Obviously need that if uh, the pass rush isn't getting home, and they rely a lot on those type of players. So yeah, it, you know it's it is what it is. They couldn't trade back, and if you're picking a guy at three, I always put a Cuda there in my mocks because I thought he was the best fit and the best player.
2: Yep, I know he's a favorite of yours. We talked about him on previous shows. Grifco, what'd you think of this pick at number three? You like the value? You like the player? You like what the lines did?
3: Uh, yes, I know uh, we had spoke about this offline on other things and uh, he was just uh, the guy I wanted for the longest time. I wanted him more than Chase Young. That's uh, other things we can talk about later, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the lines definitely needed him. Trading away Slay. I mean, I know they signed Font, and um, AO was out there, but uh, still um, Jeff Okuda right here. I saw a lot of uh, analysts grayed out in A, you know, some A-minuses. I mean, I mean, I think the lowest I've seen was like a B for him. But uh, I think this is a, a draft pick right there. Uh, desperate needs for lines. And I think he fits in that pretty well with the scheme.
2: No doubt. No doubt. Grifko, we won't hold that terrible Chase Young take against you. I mean, Chase Young is an obvious pick over Jeff Okuda. But Jeff Okuda, tremendous player, as you guys have said. And I love his character. I think this guy's a no-doubt professional, just a great guy off the field, which I think is important in those top selections. Paul, what do you got on Jeff Okuda, man? Did you like this? We hadn't talked a ton about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did like it. Of course, I, I felt like trading back would have been the prudent thing to do, and and I kind of think that Bob Quinn could have settled for it a lot less than what he was looking for. I understand that he didn't have any formidable offers, but I'd like to think if he asked for a fourth or a fifth the Dolphins or the Chargers would have gave them to him. But yeah, I mean, you, there's really nothing more to add than Oakley and, and Logan already said. I'm I'm uh I'm sorry, Grifka. Great pick. He's should be a ten-year starter. Reminds me a lot of Qu- Quentin Jammer, which is probably before your time. But uh, I, I'm I'm real satisfied with the pick.
2: Paul, you're 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 one of my go-to uh, conspiracy guys. I mean, I, I think I have the music here. Let me see. I I, I need your take on Bob Quinn saying that there was never one offer sent. I mean, we've been dealing with this since the season ended. This guy never got one trade offer with all these, quote unquote, discussions that he had. I mean, give me a little conspiracy from Paul from Tampa on that one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to call Bob Quinn out. Uh, He's going, he's going to beg Bob on us here. Okay. (laughs) Um, There's no way. Uh, There's no way that the, the Dolphins or Chargers didn't at least offer something. But the truth is, at the end of the day, I don't think Bob Quinn wanted to come across as looking like, you know, like a mark on a trade on a trade like that and trading down to four or five would have been would have been a prudent thing to do. I mean, you're going to save salary cap money, plus, you know, take a flyer on a mid round pick. So it's to me, it's kind of like a safe face thing for Quinn, especially if he doesn't, you know, remain the GM of the Lions. I don't think he wants to put on his resume that he traded a three for a six pick three for pick six and pick you know 180 or something in the yeah. 2020
2: draft that's my conspiracy yeah i'm with you i think the conspiracy is there were multiple offers he didn't take it he held him up too high he ran out of time and they told the media never got a firm offer because it wasn't firm to him but i think something was sent anyway pull this music down let's get let's keep this thing moving uh Pick number 35 in the second round. I actually did a live podcast on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast where I like turned on the mic and did before the second round started, talked it through. I mean, I was talking about Epineza, I was talking about rush ends, you know, and I was talking a lot about a guy named Deandre Swift. Would the lions do it? Would they go offense? I've been clamoring. They need to you fix the run game, but how do you do it? So sure enough, the lions, uh, read the pick. I was live on the air. You get my live reaction if you want to go check out that show. DeAndre Swift, running back, Georgia in the second round. Grifka. I gotta. Here's here's what I want to do with this one. I was gonna throw it to Grifka because he he talked a lot about just going and and getting a running back there early second round. He wanted to put it to bed as well. I obviously like think, you know, the, the best thing is to wait and get a running back later. What I want to do is I want to I don't know Logan's take on this, but Logan, I think you'll be up for this. I want to have a debate between you and Grifka on this DeAndre Swift pick. I want Grifka to take the side of it was a good pick and tell us why. And Logan, I want you to tell us why it might not have been the most prudent thing to take a running back at 35 and uh, give both sides the argument. You think we can have a little battle right here?
0: Sounds good. Uh, Grif-
2: sure. Grifka, you up for this? All right. Grifka, start us off like DeAndre Swift, 35. Why Why do you like this pick? Why, why was it a home run?
3: Uh, this guy's a home run hitter whenever he touches the ball. And we're always talking about the guy that can take it to the house anytime he gets the ball. He's that guy. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's quick and he's got a nice quick step through the middle. He can juke the linebackers and and the defensive backs. He's probably, you know, mid first round talent and he's sitting there. He's probably the number one guy on the board by a big gap there in the second round. And it's what we need. Carry on Johnson. He has trouble staying on the field. And this guy coming in day one could be your one, a running back as opposed to, you know, the one B and letting carry on be the, be the, the first guy. This guy has everything that the line's been looking for, you know, since. I'm not calling him Barry Sanders, but he's probably going to be the best running back on the team since Barry Sanders.
2: Logan, what's your retort to Grifka there?
3: So do I have to go the angle where
0: uh, yeah, I didn't want a running back? Because so I did kind of want a running back, but it wasn't so much Swift either.
2: Oh, for the for the sake of the moment, just why why would, are there people out there that maybe didn't like this pick? Just sort of take that side of the argument. I mean, we'll get your we'll get your take your actual take here sure. in a moment.
0: So yeah, I mean, any time a running back, yeah, obviously more often than not, have to have an offensive line that's going to be able to block for these running backs. And if you have a running back like DeAndre Swift who has an elite offensive line that he's playing behind all through college, all of a sudden go to the NFL and he's asked to make plays by himself and create yards for himself guys don't always do a good job with that and you look at a guy like Swift as shifty as he is his break tackle ability is actually pretty average Um, and his yards after contract is kind of average but he is he's a good three down player but if you want to really impact the run game sometimes it's best to go that offensive line route and the Lions had a big hole at right guard they ended up filling the spot But they do. They need they need some run blockers up front. And for whatever reason, they've never been able to really find that mix or that dynamic of having a good rushing attack through either a great offensive line or a great running back.
2: Yeah. Hey, Paul, you're going to be the judge of this, but I'm going to help both these guys out with a couple side points. So Grifka said he's a home run hitter. I think Swift's much more of a shake and bake uh, type of guy in the open field. He doesn't have blazing speed. I mean, his speed's his speed is fine, but he, he's not a, a just hit it and go type of guy. He's a he's a wiggle guy, is a catch it, um, you know, and go type of player. But I agree with Grifka that I think you know sooner than later he he can be a really top running back in this type of scheme. Now. You know the the way they want to do it is committee, so I don't think you're ever going to see him touch the ball, you know, more than 20 sometimes. But when he does touch it, I think he's going to be dynamic, it's going to be really fun to watch, as well as him and carry on and Bo, I think can put this run game to bed and and make us, you know, that top 15 or, or better type of run game which we've craved for gosh multiple decades it feels like now which is crazy to even say and then on logan's side i i agree with him like you know uh swift has some shortcomings when it comes to his overall athleticism you know his size even in, in some realms and then i'm also a proponent of waiting on running back in a perfect world you know i don't think it's easy to find a back in the fifth plus round but i do think that if you can find them in a in a couple rounds later, you get better value. Uh, we know the the shelf life is short, so you, you're never sure if if that draft pick's going to max out as other positions would for a multi-year career overall though i do like this pick i'm looking at cbs right now they gave this a C+. i mean you can hear on my detroit kool-aid cast i thought it was much better than that exciting player position of need best player on the board as grifka said he gets a point for that as well and uh you know sometimes taking bpa is really the way to do the draft that's how you end up with really good studs for the future of your team paul you are the judge who, who won this argument was it was it or, or or was it Logan to, to take this uh, running back or not running back? That is the question.
1: Well, here's the deal. In most situations, I would go with Logan. But 2020 is such a curveball, in that you got your your GM whose career is on the line if they don't have if they don't make the playoffs or get near the playoffs. Plus, you have a situation where you don't know how how training camp is going to work, and getting a plug and play uh, uh, position player where he can just jump in and, and run. I mean, running back is one of the easier positions to uh, adapt to the, uh, to the NFL. And with, you know, with Bob Quinn's uh, career on the line here uh, it's, it's about 2020. It's not about 2022, 2023. I feel like if, if he had more long-term, you know, stability and taking an offensive line early, lineman earlier probably would have made more sense. So, I'm going to go with Grifka just because of these extenuating circumstances.
2: Paul, based on that judgment, based on Grifka's take, and based on my thoughts of the pick, I mean, I got to say this.
1: Oh,
2: oh, oh. Woo. <laughs> I, I loved it. Oh, baby. I think DeAndre Swift's going to be great. Before we move on, Logan, I'll give you the floor back. A quick, uh, You can give your actual thoughts on the pick of Swift at 35.
0: Yeah, so I actually agreed with all you guys. I I did not (laughs) mind a running back being taken there because it is one of those positions where you can immediately have an impact. And there was some good ones on the board. Uh, I thought Swift was actually one of the true three down backs in the draft, and there's not many of them. I don't think he's a workhorse type of back, though, a guy that you're going to give the ball to a ton, you know, in his 45 games that he played. At Georgia, there's only three times he had over 20 carries. So he's never been that type of guy. He's much like Carryon in the regard of all through college, he had nagging injuries that kind of, you know, he had a groin injury, he had a foot injury, an ankle injury, he had a shoulder contusion at the end of last year that like kind of limited him. So there is, I think, just worries and concerns. And if the Lions, I think in Darryl Bevel's scheme, they're going to have to really use him as a pass catcher because you look at what they did with Carry On and Bo Scarborough. Bo Scarborough only had one catch all last season carry on had 10. So it's like, do the lions want to go to that route and maybe fill that JD McKissick type of role um, with Swift. But I just thought that Jonathan Taylor fit their scheme a lot better is more of a home run hitter. Then uh, than Swift, I think he breaks more tackles than Swift. Yes. There's more uh, wear and tear on the tires, but he never was injured while well, he played at Wisconsin. And I, Everyone always talks about Jonathan Taylor's offensive line, that it was so great. I think that Georgia probably had one of the best offensive lines in the entire – you know, they had two first-round tackles go. They had another guard that went, two sophomores. Their average line was like 325 pounds last year. So there's just a lot of – I'd like the Swift pick, but I I don't know if he's ever going to be like that workhorse. Or I think he's a committee running back.
2: Yeah. I I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I think what you hit on was, was all good, good info there, as well as uh, you know, the, the positive of not being a, a tread on the tires or workhorse guy, you come into the league, knowing that setup you know he sounded really like a team player like hey I just want to meet carry on a bow they're great players you know earn the respect of my teammates as well as he's used to sharing the load so he might actually acclimate better and I don't know I just think he's a he's a really good player for what they currently have as well as their their offense and the team Um, it, it allows me to be a proponent of this pick early in the second round which is a high resource but most people other than CBS here, the website I got pulled up, seem to love this pick as well based on value and player. We got to keep this thing moving, fellas. We want to talk about the other two players they took in the third round, and then we're going to talk about the later round picks as well before we uh, close up shop here on Believe in Lions. Just a reminder to everybody out there, if you can hit that subscribe button, that really helps out the show. And then uh, Logan gave both sides. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, Logan, you know you're going to have to fight the people that hate running back. They're out there. They come after you. Uh, we got Grifka on Twitter, at GrifkaDKC. You can uh, get at him. I know Paul's not the big Twitter guy, but uh, lots of fun over this weekend talking about all these picks. And like I say, um, if you can subscribe or leave a review for Believe in Lions, uh, that's awesome. Share it with a friend. That'd be great. Let's talk about uh, O'Quara, the O'Quara boys. I had said this on previous shows about it'd be fun to pair them up. A little bit different skill set, but both young players, athletic, can do some different things when it comes to rush and getting after the quarterback. Uh, They take O'Quara in the third round. I mean, pick, uh, what was that, pick 67. Let's go to Paul here on this one. Paul, what would you think about uh, Julian O'Quara coming to the Lions to team up with his brother, Romeo?
1: Well if, if you're telling me you have the opportunity to pick likely the best defensive player who's a captain on Notre Dame and you can get him in the 3rd round yeah it's good i did to, in my opinion when you when you weight the um the value of the pick this was my my favorite of the whole weekend so this guy you know he's he's going he's going to know the scheme uh, especially earlier I was talking about you know a limited training camp well if you're roommate with your brother it's going to be a lot easier to learn you know if you're doing zoom meetings and stuff so um i think it's fantastic they mentioned that he's he potentially was a first rounder but slipped because of his his uh leg injury well it it was a broken leg it wasn't it wasn't an acl it wasn't a knee and it, it sucks to sucks to break your leg but uh fortunately it's not one of those injuries that will um continue to cause problems like other um, joints in the body so I'm very very satisfied with
2: the pick yeah I agree with you I think that uh, you know the injury might have pushed him down I also think that uh, him you know being able to learn from his brother and and accelerate his thing is a big big element he's also athletic and has produced you know he has some production at the college level he also has his shortcomings as well Logan um, not sure if you want to hit on some of those uh, weaknesses of Aquara but uh, what do you think of this pick?
0: Yeah, I, I really liked it in the third round. Uh, finally, the Lions actually have a true speed edge rusher. And actually, Aguara has quite a bit of power that he uses in his game as well. And yeah, he ran. He did like a little private pro day. He's a really good athlete. He ran a 4-6 flat at his pro day, and he said he was probably at 95%. He thought he was more of a 4-5 guy. And he, you know what? I'll take whatever range that is. But he has some bursts. He has... Every time you turn on the tape, he's getting to the passer. He's played some really good uh, offensive tackles, and he's always had success. But the downside is his running uh, run defense ability is not very good, and he's doesn't really set the edge very well, which goes against the grain of what the Lions normally like in their edge players. He misses quite a few tackles. He kind of doesn't really body up people when he tackles. It's more of a kind of grab guys' shoulder pads and try to spin him around type of deal. Um So I think right now he's probably more of a pass rush specialist, but he's a really good one. And on, you know, the, the early downs and uh, obvious running formations, you can probably have, you know, Christian Jones or Jamie Collins or Jelani Tavai sitting there on the edge and kind of just uh, let Aguara in when they, we need someone to get after the quarterback. But he, do, he does have his flaws. There's room to grow, though. He still has – filling out to do in his frame so I think the the running game concern is yes you have to look out for it but I think there's a lot of room for improvement as well
2: yeah a few shortcomings in the run game room to grow and uh, like you say just uh, an athlete though I think I saw something he's projected there his comp was a uh, Jamie Collins type comp you know maybe down the road or, or here and he can he can share the field with that guy now and kind of come along Grifka, you got any hot takes on uh on O'Quara, I mean the star of the Detroit Kool Aid cast, which drops Wednesday and Fridays. So what do you gotta say about this pick?
3: Well, I like the pick, but like Logan said, I thought he had trouble setting the edge as well. I always when when they made the pick, the first thing I thought to myself is he's just gonna be the third down guy, you know, passing situations. Um, probably for the first couple of years until they really teach him how to set the edge and, you know be able to uh, make those tackles because you know me Derek I always kind of like to look at the flaws more so than the pluses <laughs> You always call me Mr. Negative so yeah Um I think that's what he'll be probably for his first couple years um, really like the passing down guy coming in trying to get the quarterback
2: but as we do on the Kool-Aid cast Grifka you brought up the warts let me bring up the positive uh, the Lions might need a third down rusher wouldn't you say uh, especially from that Jack position or to anybody that can somewhat get after the quarterback so This guy can do that, and I think that uh, his brother is going to have a bounce back as well. I think Romeo um, played really well, played really, you know, just didn't even notice him last year. I think he's going to come back to the medium and have a better season, especially now with his bro by his side.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. So if if Lions fans are out there thinking this guy's going to come in and be starter from day one, being you know like Reggie White, you know that's not it. <laughs> that's not going to happen.
2: Uh yeah, no I agree with you there. Let, let's keep this thing moving. So the Lions trade up in the third round. They go from 85 to 75. I mean, in the words of Grifka, I was almost breaking my coffee table because it's consistently trading up with Bob Quinn. Like he goes and gets resources by trading Slay, and then he gives them away. To move up 10 selections so i'm frustrated by that before they even turn in the card then they turn in the card and select jonah jackson a guard from ohio state now me and logan talked about this guy on our last draft show before i brought him up we went back and forth about where would this guy fall he's a late riser would he get in the second third round he had a really good senior bowl went over all that the lions select him i mean Really curious what you guys have to think, because I've got some thoughts on this pick as well. Let's go to Logan first, since we uh, we recently talked about it. I'm curious what you thought about the trade-up and then taking Jonah Jackson here.
0: Yep, the trade-up I was fine with, just because the Lions had to come away with an offensive guard. And now they ended up going back-to-back and getting two of them. But Jonah Jackson is, I think, one of the, the best pass blockers in the entire class. Uh, he's in pass sets all the time in the offenses he's been in. It's not like he's being hidden or there's, you know, a ton of rollouts by the quarterback or quick screens. Now he's asked to, you know, straight up guard one-on-one against defensive tackles. And he's only allowed uh, one sack the last two years and didn't allow any hits had a few pressures, but overall, he's just, he's a technician. And he's a guy who can probably come in and due to almost like a veteran savviness that he already has. He can probably start right away. Uh, he's not going to overpower anyone in the run game. He's only 306 pounds. Uh, but, you know, that's not really his calling card. He, he's, he's meant to, you know, uh, block for the quarterback. And in the run game, like I said, he doesn't move people. But he, he still finds a way to get the job done. He's just a very good, you know, I guess all-around complete player player. Um, that's not going to blow you away with athleticism or size, but that's not how he wins. And I think what he does well will translate to the next level.
2: Paul, what'd you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really uh, comment too much more than what Logan said. I mean, the, the way, the way you describe him, is he seems like a, a Graham Glasgow at 10% the cost. So I'll take it. I mean, you got, you got a guard from Ohio state. He's battling chase young every day in practice. He's a fifth year. He was at Rutgers for four years. So uh, he's seen different types of schemes. He's played well. I mean, all the experts were you know, pretty satisfied with uh, the, um, the grade that they got from him. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really be upset about it. I just, I just wish that, uh, again, they didn't have to trade up for it. I think it, I think it would have been um, worth it just to cross your fingers and hope that he fell 10 spots.
2: Griff before I kick it to you, again, I've promoted the Kool-Aid cast a couple of times. It's kind of a crossover show. On that show I mean you have lots of inside Jokes people get it once they Listen a lot but uh, you Had said recently on a show a previous Show that uh, (laughs) That you had heard me and Logan talking About Jonah Jackson you went back And did some lazy boy scouting which You cracked me for which is you went on YouTube And you said you watched this guy I mean I love The fact that you like to watch offensive Interior offensive lineman tape But you said you went back and watched it Like what you saw I mean I'm sure you've Watched this guy multiple times from the lazy boy on saturdays because that's what you do and because it's big 10 football what'd you think about this pick moving up to 75 giving up some resources taking this player <laughs>
3: uh, this is one of those things where you talk about how bob quinn falls in love with a guy and um <laughs> wants to get him at you know, i'm gonna say at any cost but I, that's what i kind of think about him he kind of reminds me of an old ohio state guard robson's i don't know if you remember him when he was on the team they're about the same size. Um, Kind of like the same technique. I thought, you know, you know, good run, you know, good run blockers that would, I don't like, not push guys downfield. You're not going to see this guy pushing anybody into like the second and third level, but he, he's able to maneuver a guy effectively to give a running back a running lane. That's what I really liked about Jonah Jackson. Uh, same thing. Rob Sims, he, you know, he was another guy didn't give up a whole lot of sacks either, and um, Jonah Jackson doesn't do that either. So I, I was happy with the pick, but I, I thought he might have been there ten spots later.
2: Yes, some of my favorite things is Grifka's going to his gimmicks here on the show. He's he's now he compared uh, Tavai to a a poor man's Spielman before he even played it down. He he's now compared Swift to the, one of the greatest running backs of all times, and now uh, Jonah Jackson is Rob Sims because they're Lions and because it's an easy comp. That makes me laugh, Grifka. I'm glad you you are bringing that to the table. I also somewhat agree with your point that this is a Bob Quinn that he fell in love, with, went and got him. But the more that I even studied after the fact, you, again, this is a nuance that I do that. I don't think many people do. I go ahead and make sure I watch all these interviews, go back and see things. And like the things you see about Jonah Jackson, he's the guy leading the huddle. He's the guy getting people fired up. Even in his interview with the the great Tori Petrie. I mean, he's fired up. He's saying, let's go. He's talking a little junk. He seemed like a, a nice personality for that. Um, you know, that, uh, interior offensive line type room a little bit of juice that we need and we'll talk about the next guy coming up who's got a lot of juice as well so I I think that's really important not only the character but having a little bit of edge to you having a little bit of excitement I think is important rather than a bunch of choir boys like we talk about sometimes like they seem like they have so I think Jonah Jackson brings a lot to the table really steady type player a guy that can come in and probably play right from day one I don't know left right side I don't know their total game plan but I think, again, I, I had said before this draft, you're going to get four or five plus uh, kind of impact starters or contributors. I think they did that with the four picks we talked about. So I thought you guys all had really good takes on it. It was fun. Um, let's let's go ahead and combo up some of these later round picks. So before I do that, um, CBS, after they gave us a C plus for Swift, a minus for Julian O'Quara, and an A for Jonah Jackson. So they love those two picks now they did not like this fourth round pick i'm curious what you guys have to say Um, let's go ahead and just quickly talk about logan stenberg the interior guard as well from kentucky a really nasty football player a guy that i had a bit farther down the list but again it sounds like a player they just absolutely love his mentality um, you know, he has some stats of not giving up any sacks and being in a run heavy scheme. So you got to like that. Grifka, I know you did a whole podcast about 45 minutes on interior guards. You mentioned this guy, of course, I chastised you a little bit for it. Cause he was way down the list. What'd you think about them taking him in f- fourth round? 121 overall Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky.
3: Well, first I didn't like the double up of two guards back to back, and second of all, on my podcast, like I said, I always thought Logan Stenberg. I mean, he's six six, like three hundred and twenty pounds. That's a pretty big guard right there, you know. Especially for yeah, he, you know, he does pretty well in the run blocking. He's got the mean streak. But if uh, there's points where the lines like to throw the ball six six, you know, for a guard, that's that's a uh, that's kind of getting in the passing lane. I always thought, you know, yeah, Kentucky ran the ball a lot. Their quarterbacks, the ones they've had when they was there, they were kind of scrambling. And they weren't pure pocket passers, so they moved a little more. Uh, Stafford's more of a pocket passer, so if they like this guy to like you know, be the run blocker, they're looking to really establish a run game. Okay, but in the passing game, I mean, I think six, six is pretty tall, and he tends—I always thought he tended to play a little high, where he could get you know defensive tackles, um, blitzing linebackers could get underneath him and really push him back. But that's just me, so I wasn't a huge fan of the pick.
2: Logan are you on board with Griffith's take about height being an issue as well as uh, the way this guy plays or do you think he's a nasty interior guard with long grittily nasty hair that is what the Lions haven't had in a while and can play from day one what do you think about the selection by Bob Quinn
0: yeah it it was interesting that they went back to back but I, I I think the need was there Joe Dahl uh you know he's a nice player couldn't maybe could still be upgraded it's kind of weird because i think jonah jackson would be a better fit at as a left guard you know typically they're the the passing guards well the right side would be perfect for a guy like stenberg who is he's just a mauler and that's what he does he's a phone booth type player where he's just going to get his hands on you and he's going to push you around and he might even throw you around after the whistle and there's <laughs> his aggression can get him in trouble too because he had i think 14 penalties in 2019 alone which is a big concern but it, I don't know. Stenberg, he's a guy that the 6'6 thing, I mean, Glasgow was 6'6", too. It is a little odd shape for an uh, interior lineman. But I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Uh, I just think Stenberg, is a, he's probably just going to be a backup to start. He needs to work on some technique things. But the tenacity is there. That mean streak is there. Uh, I, I like it. I think he could be a potential starter. But he's just—he's got some cleaning up to do in terms of both penalties and just overall like hand placement and and footwork and stuff like that when it comes to the pass because he hasn't allowed a sack the last few years. He's another guy who, like Jonah Jackson, the stats look really good, but with Stenberg in Kentucky's offense, they they hardly ever pass the ball, so it's kind of easy to do. And you're—he was very, barely, rarely ever put in those true pass sets, uh, like Jonah Jackson, who was – you know, one-on-one all the time in a five-step drop where Stenberg was rarely, that was rarely ever the case for him.
2: Quick follow-up for you. Do you, uh, you mentioned Joe Dahl, do you, and you also called Stenberg a backup. You think Joe Dahl is still the left guard when they're playing football?
0: Yeah. And I who knows what's going to happen with this whole rotation that the Lions like to deploy out there with their interior linemen. I think Joe Dahl, he should be he's the incumbent right now he's the veteran the Lions game him a contract extension I think they like what he can do and he played pretty well last year uh, you know probably an average guard and I don't know if a guy like Stenberg can come in and uh, if you were to put say Jonah Jackson on the left side and Stenberg on the right side I don't know if that'd be an upgrade I think I'd, as of right now I'd still like to have Joe Dahl on the left side uh, Jonah Jackson on the right uh, Jonah Jackson has positional versatility he played left left guard at Ohio State but was a right guard and even a little bit of a center while he was at Rutgers so he can he can move all over the place uh, but I think Stenberg should be kind of penciled in as a backup right guard and it's kind of odd because usually Quinn is very keen to picking players who have you know versatility across the line I don't think Stenberg really fits that mold
2: Yeah, real quick before I kick it to Paul, like, I think, you know, you kind of mentioned this different sides, I think it'd be really neat when they took them when I was kind of thinking about it, if they paired up the Ohio State boys on the left side, Decker and, and Jackson, and then you put the two Maulers, the two new Maulers on the right side, you got Hal Vitae, and then you put Stenberg in there really push some people because one thing I think about the offensive line like chemistry is huge so if you got two new guys coming in that's better sometimes than a guy that's been there a while and a new guy you can have them learn together you can have them get that footwork and chemistry together so it'd be curious to see how they piece it uh, piece it but I I think what I heard about Stenberg they they seem to really have a plan my issue is Paul kick it to you Lions already have like six seven guards on the roster so if they're going to invest this type of capital and then also play these guys, you're going to have a lot of people uh, hitting the bricks. You know, when it talks about their current roster, I know they're not big contract guys, but it still doesn't make a ton of sense to be extending guys, bringing people in and then taking two guards in the top four rounds. Paul, what do you think?
1: Well, one thing that uh, wasn't mentioned earlier was the Lions actually traded back for this. So to me, that, that makes this a little better pick than, um,
2: good point. Yep. Uh,
1: uh, you know, and, and actually if you look at the trade value chart, they kind of fleeced Oakland, but um, yeah, I, I mean, this guy was voted the dirtiest player in the sec. <laughs> so, you know, Hey, uh, we, we, we haven't had a guy like that since, you know, Dominic Rayola. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think that kind of thing's contagious. I can see this guy uh, being the one that gets in fights at Allen park and gets kicked out of
2: right. you know
1: uh, practices. Um, you know, I, I can't comment on whether he'll be a better left guard or right guard, but I, I do I do agree with the fact that it looks like they've got about six to eight mediocre uh, guards right now, and one or two ain't going to make it. I, I feel like getting a swing offensive tackle may have been a more prudent thing or maybe more of a versatile tackle slash guard, but um, the fact that they traded back for him uh, made me a little more comfortable with the pick
2: bringing the heat Paul I like that info the trade back was key it's funny how in the draft you can get some crazy value by moving back a little bit yet when you're trading vets and players nowadays you feel like you never get value Um, I like your thoughts that he might add some real nasty to the other guys as well kind of a mentality that we haven't had you know we've been more of a pass set type offensive line you know maybe some of that rubs off the penalties are an issue Bob Quinn brought that up I feel like we've had a lot of issues on the offensive line and in general Okay penalties that have killed our teams multiple coaching regimes and whatnot so as much as we love kind of a guy that plays after the whistle to some degree you can't be killing your team with penalties i'm curious to see how this works out he obviously wasn't a player i had you know highly targeted but the more you read about him the more you see what he might bring it's interesting Except it's not interesting to CBS, uh, a D plus on this pick. They gave us uh, pretty rough right there. Let's uh, let's combo up these next two. I'm going to go with uh, Quintez Cephas and Jason Huntley. I mean, these were two picks, in my opinion, that I thought there were better receivers on the board. Huntley was a guy that wasn't on even the Draft Network's prospect list. I had to go track him down on Google and found a YouTube video that said he's the fastest player you've never freaking heard of. Uh, Let's throw this to Paul because I think you had mentioned that you might have something to say about Cephas um, that might entertain the people.
1: Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) I think (laughs) (laughs) my nickname for for Cephas is – the spell, because if you say his name fast enough, it sounds like you're putting a spell on somebody. Yeah, g- um,
2: give an example for the people what that might sound like.
1: Quintus Cephas, Quintus Cephas, Quintus Cephas.
2: <laughs> oh man, I I, I feel <laughs> hypnotized right now, bro. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm going to be out of it the rest of the time. Um, yeah, for both these picks, I, I think it, it would have been a, the more prudent thing to do would have just been to cross your fingers and hope that they're UDFAs that you can give big signing bonuses to. I don't think that now, now the running back is, is kind of an interesting take. Um, I feel like that the smaller school players this year kind of uh, didn't have uh, weren't picked as much because of the inability to, uh, you know, have scouts come out and, and give better looks at people. So maybe, maybe Bob saw him as, you know, one of these Jamal Agnew type gems, but um, yeah, it's, to me, it's like, just cross your fingers and, and wait, wait, hope that they're available to pick them up as undrafted free agents for both these guys.
2: All right. Let's split this up a little bit. Let's go to Logan and kind of give us what you've learned about Jason Huntley. And then I'll go to Cephas with Grifka because it's a big 10 guy and I'm sure he's watched him on the lazy boy. Uh, Logan, what do you think about Jason Huntley, this running back slash gadget player, speed guy, kick returner type.
0: So yeah, Huntley is a player who I, I was familiar with him. But when I saw his size, there was only one – when I was doing all my draft research, there was only one publication that actually had him listed. They had him as like the 32nd ranked running back or something like that. Mm. And I just remember seeing his size, and they said it was a size speed guy. I was like, oh, he's 185, 190 pounds. Like the Lions aren't going to need that. And then they take him. And I I get – you always want some more speed. It's the antithesis of what Cephas was, uh, where you're getting a player who is super electric and just a dynamic playmaker – can line up in the slot, can do kick returns. My question is just where, how is he even going to make the roster unless he, uh, you know, takes Ty Johnson's spot at running back as the RB4, because typically they don't keep five running backs, and I don't know if I see that happening. And then at the same time as a kick returner, you still have Jamal Agnew, who, yes, he's in the last year of his deal, more of a punt returner than a kick returner, has some struggles here and there, but I think really bounced back last year. I don't know if Huntley is going to be able to take either Ty Johnson's or Agnew's spot. And in in the fifth round, I would hope, you know, maybe Quinn has different, some, something else in mind for him, but I would hope with the fifth round pick that the guy at least makes the roster. And right now I think he's on the outside looking in.
2: Yeah. I blew up when this pick happened. Like you say, you read off, he's not on any publications. He's 32nd ranked running back. I mean, this to me is that pick that, it's trait based. It's like we want that fast gadget running back that other teams have. To me, it it was a big time reach. Uh, now people are trying to justify it after the fact. Oh, look at he's He's got all these talent. He's going to be he went to New Mexico State. You know, he's running around uh, against teams that don't make a big difference. So I'm with you. I don't really see where he fits in or that he's going to make this huge splash. I'd love to be wrong, but we'll see what happens. Grifka Cephas from Wisconsin, he runs like T's Tabor, but every time I watch Wisconsin games, Quintus Cephas was going up over the top on people and making plays. What do you think about this wide receiver at 166 overall in the fifth round?
3: Um, Yeah, I think he's going to probably be the slot guy. I don't think he's going to be fast enough in the NFL to, uh, you know, go over the top and really, uh, you know, Spread the field or anything like that. I know Okuda and Arnett both said he was like the toughest guy, wide receiver, you know, to face in the Big Ten. You know, he just, you know, he's able to create space, which is good. And um he uses his hands pretty well. But uh, I just think that he's going to have to be that slot guy. And as we've seen in the NFL, you don't have to be the fastest guy to be the slot. You just got to be able to get open. And catch the ball and move the chain so I think that's what he's going to have to do for the Lions if that's what they're planning on using him because he's not replacing Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay
2: Good call by you Griffka. I like you bringing up that uh, talking point that uh, Kuda said he was the toughest and then I heard a little clip from Cephas saying that uh, he's looking forward to Tested himself against the best in Okuda at practice and whatnot. So I think that uh, that's an interesting nugget to take away as well. We've got a couple more players here before we finish it out. Uh, John Peninzi. I, I, I don't know if that's exactly how you say it from Utah. He's a big nose tackle type. So they went back-to-back defensive tackles in the middle. And then uh, Jay Sean Cornell uh, from Ohio State. Uh, Seem to have some unique qualities, kind of a some people compared him to like Deshaun Hand type skill set late there in the draft. Maybe. A, but again, taking two interior rushers late, taking two guards and not addressing edge per se, other than, you know, the edge linebacker was interesting. Um, let's just uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's open it up to uh, to let's go back to Grifka real quick. Just kind of any big takes on either of these two guys. You like either of these?
3: Man, you know what I always say when guys like this come up. They're camp fodder. That's, they're there. I mean, I, I don't see either one of these guys making the team. The biggest thing I remember about Jay Sean Cornell is when he was getting recruited out of high school, this guy was a big-time talent out of, out of Minnesota. He had a lot of offers, and I know Michigan was wanting him, and Ohio State got him. And I don't know. What, I mean, when he went to Ohio State, I was pretty disappointed because I was like, gosh, he'll do so well at Michigan. And then he just kind of languished at Ohio State. I know Ohio State just has an awful lot of talent. But you never saw this guy. I mean, I never saw, like, really watching a lot of Ohio State games. You never just, you never saw him on the field. You know, he was there, but he wasn't making plays. So when the Lions drafted him, I'm just like, yeah, camp fodder. He's a body. So that's what I think these two guys are.
2: Oh my gosh I don't know what to do with that take Because I hate it Just because you're using the generalities That you use on the Kool-Aid cast But then I like the in-depth research About recruiting That impresses me Uh, Based on the uh, Lazy Boy scouting uh, Resume that I've seen from you in, in the past So good good content there, Grifka uh, Logan, you got anything on, on these two guys that you like?
0: Uh, I'll make it quick on Cornell I don't think he does anything Particularly well He's kind of a, a tweener Got a little bit of burst to him But I just didn't I don't know. I went back and watched film and I he didn't catch my eye really at all. Like even when he was getting sacks, they were kinda of like cleanup sacks. It's not because he was making plays by himself or anything. So I don't know. A seventh round pick, two hundred and thirty-fifth pick overall. Expectations should be low. Maybe the Lions can do something with him. But I will say this about Pennasini. I, I really like Panasini. When I went and watched Leaky Fotu, you know, the other defensive tackle of Utah, big nose tackle type of player. Panasini stand out he stood out quite a bit I was like this other guy's pretty good and <laughs> uh, even though he's like 6'1 320 pounds he doesn't lose any ground and even in double teams he still has kind of some longer arms for a six one player uh, and he just controls the line of scrimmage really well but he's not going to provide any pre- pass rush even his bull rush is kind of weak which is discouraging and he doesn't really have the quickness to <laughs> to get by blockers either but uh, that's not what the lions. I don't think you're going to be asking of him. He's probably going to just be a two down player, uh, rotational guy. And I think he has a good shot to make the team, but he, he doesn't lose ground often, which is what the lions need in this type of defense.
2: Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, CBS has the Pennacini pick as an A- in the, in the uh, middle, late sixth round there. That's uh, something to take note of. And I also saw a quote from him saying that he's going to prove that he was the most slept on player in the entire draft. So I think he brings some good things to the table, as Logan said. Paul from Tampa, you got any hot takes on these two players in the sixth and seventh round? I know you got something.
1: My only hot take is uh, there was a player from Alabama who was like the fourth or fifth best defensive lineman who was drafted a couple years ago named Deshaun Hand, and he worked out. So, you know, hopefully maybe the fourth or fifth best defensive lineman on Ohio State uh, drafted at the end of the draft uh, could, could be that sleeper. Um, I, my my only quick, quick thing is usually the seventh round is is where you want to take a, a a, a small school kind of, kind of guy that, hopefully uh you know no one was aware of versus a you know uh, big school lots of tape kind of guy so that, that that would really be my only complaint about that but you know odds are he'll probably end up getting cut the, the Utah State guy hopefully he's just a little better version of P.J. Johnson because I was pretty high on him last year and that didn't work out so that's that's my take on that
2: all right. Good stuff. We worked our way through all the picks. You guys brought some great info and we had some good back and forth. Appreciate all that. Uh, let, let's grade it out. That's always great to do the day after. I mean, I'm, uh, we all like to project forward, but we know too, it usually takes a few years before you know what <clears throat> this draft class is all about. Um, let's give it a, give it a letter grade the day after and see what we think. Uh, let's go to uh, Grifka for the grade to start us out.
3: Uh, B plus.
2: Logan, what do you got?
3: So
0: I'm going to just preface this. I know for whatever reason, draft, the draft grading scale always just seems to go from A to C with most publications. (laughs) I do is the C, the C is an average draft. Okay. And I'm giving this a B, which it means I think it's a solid draft. It wasn't an excellent draft in the A, but I do, I will say it's a B. I think it was a good draft i really like the first four picks a lot better than the day three picks though, but those are the ones that matter.
2: Me and Logan on the same page. I thought the same thing. I was super high after uh, the first couple of days, first few picks. And then day three had me a little bit in a quandary. I was kind of like, Oh man, these are these guys that are way off the radar, but these guys are professionals. They do this for a living. They got the medicals they've met with these guys. Their scouts have spent all year on them. I'm going to have to sort of, Buy in and then go back and sort of not only do my own research but uh, just wait it out on a few of these later guys. So I'm gonna fill in there at a B as well. Paul, you're gonna finish this out on grades. What do you got?
1: I got an A, and the reason I got an A is because nice. your your number one pick is is kind of like your final exam, and 50% of your class is your final exam. And and he was a great player. Um, I, I'd give him an A. The later round picks are like uh, homework assignments. It doesn't matter if you ask or fail them because it's not going to be that that a big weighted part of your grade. Hmm. As a result, I'm going to say A because I, I also love the first early picks.
2: Oh man, I think it's a horrible take, Paul. Like, you we're obviously going to get a slam dunk at three, and then your later picks do matter because I think there was a stat like 60 70% of your roster is day three guys. So they're they're not just throwaways, as you and Grifka often say. uh, They're very important to the team. Uh, Hopefully, they they found some gems here from rounds four to seven, is my hope. But overall, I'd say you know that that B um, type grade is where the average would fall in based on what I've seen. I want to throw one. One last thing at you guys before we go, we're going to put the Bob Quinn draft, which we just went over pick by pick against the Oak (laughs) draft. Now I, uh, the last few years, just always doing on the clock picks uh, based on who's available. What I know, obviously I don't have all the info they have. I'm more of a a fan making picks obviously, but I do try to uh, take needs and take things into consideration. So we've already talked about the Bob Quinn draft. Here's the Oak draft. at number three. Overall, I took Jeff Okuda, the cornerback out of Ohio state. Number 35, A.J. Epineza, the edge player out of Iowa. At 67, I was able to get uh, Justin Matabuke out of uh, – where's he at again? Mississippi State, something like that. Uh, Number 75, I've got Zach Moss out of Utah, the running back at pick – what is that? 121 is what I have here. DPJ, uh, wide receiver out of Michigan. 167, I was able to get Natani Muti, the big guard. Mauler type at 172 Bradley and I the edge off the ball type backer from Utah 198 I got Prince Tega Winogu the uh, pr- project type tackle with some injury concerns but fell way down the board and then at 236 just because he's dirty Randy's son and because I felt it would be fun and because I thought he could be a blocking you know tight end with just some upside add to that room fattiest moss at 236 just for the heck of it Boys, who who wins this, Bob Quinn or me? <laughs> Logan, what do you got?
0: <laughs> I I really like your draft. Uh, you know, that's typically you know there are a lot of familiar names and guys that I did research on and I really liked for the most part. wasn't a huge fan of uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, but I think even where at you where you selected him, I was like, okay, that could that could be okay. And, and then he ended up going in the sixth round, which I actually was probably if you look at his play is where he should have been, but he does have some serious upside, but um, yeah, your late round picks I think are definitely guys that uh, I like a lot more than Bob's Quinn's late round picks. The first three picks, I thought was about a wash between uh, Quinn's and yours.
2: Yeah. And like you say, they're, they're names, they're obvious names, but also like sometimes it's not overthinking it. And Like, when you do it in real time, like, these guys were available. It's not me after the fact going, oh, I'll take uh, Peoples-Jones in the early 6th because he was still there. Like, I took him as the draft was going where I thought and tried to get good value. And um, so they're they're actually realistic selections. Grifka, you got anything you want to be negative about me on this uh, draft? You want to kill me for it?
3: No, I like your draft. It's uh, (laughs) Like you said, it's uh, guys that we've seen. I know that means a lot to fans. I mean, nobody knows who Huntley is because he, like you said he played at New Mexico State and just because they had his pro day before everything was shut down and I think that was one of Bob Quinn's smartest men in the room uh draft picks that that he likes to do. So, I like yours.
2: Appreciate it, sir. I also think we got a lot of needs filled here. Corner, edge, uh, interior guy with some rush, running back. We got an explosive traits type receiver, uh, big mauling interior guy, some more edge help, and then a few flyers at the end of the draft. So, Paul, you got any uh, praise or any beefs for my my draft here versus Bob Quinn? I mean, guys are making me feel decent here to end the podcast.
1: Well, if, if I want to be invited back, I, I got to say yours is the best, right? Oh, so, definitely. Um, That's part no, of it. No, yeah. I, I actually, I, <laughs> I, I actually do like yours a little better. It's it's a little more long term driven. Um, I, um, in that, I think Quinn always tends to take his Patricia guys, and I, I think you're a little uh, more um, open minded with other other, uh, you know, more basic needs. Um, yeah, no, I, I I like yours a little better. It's more much more balanced. So you, you got to polish up the old resume and, you know, don't forget about us when you're, when you're the GM in 2021, yeah. you know, well, there I'll, we... I'll, I'll, I'll sweep floors. I'll, uh, you know, whatever you want me to do. <laughs>
2: well, there we go. They, these guys will all be back. They they gave me a little praise on my draft. Uh, DTO scouting is alive and well uh, Bob Quinn though. We also sounded like uh, throughout our comments that, We think this was a good draft by the Detroit Lions. Bob Quinn did some nice things, some players that can help this team. Overall, probably one of his better hauls when it comes to uh, the draft. And hopefully some of these late prospects will come through as well. So um, real quick before we sign out, Logan, I know you've been doing some articles on SI and Lion Lowdown. Maybe give the people a little bit about uh, what you're doing over there so they can check you out.
0: Yeah, so starting tomorrow, I'll kind of be breaking down each individual player and how they... I think uh, I see them in the defense or offense, whatever position they play, and just what their role will be. Uh, I already gave my full draft grades actually as well on SI All Lions, and then Lion Lowdown is kind of like my news source and where I just do whatever I want. It's it's my personal blog. I yeah. uh, got a couple other writers there too that contribute and do good work as well. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me, at Twitter is going to be the best way. I do have Facebook. And Instagram as well, but uh, I'm usually try to try my best to reply on Twitter, and that's at L Lamoranier, spelled L A M O R A N D I E R.
2: Nice, definitely check out what he's doing. the The draft is a grind for for people that are writing and covering the thing. I know even here from my uh, home draft office, uh, lots of lots of work being done the last few days. I had to take a big exhale when it was all over. So uh grifka we already said they can get you at grifka dkc uh tell them why they should check out the detroit kool-aid cast on wednesdays and fridays
3: well, just like you said it's just uh two fans talking and uh we have a good time and uh like you said we have our back and forth, but uh, there's point there's points that we agree on but uh there's a lot of things that we also disagree on
2: <laughs> yeah, you got to check that out If you're a listener just to believe uh, in Lions Go ahead and check that out uh, You got to give it some time Because there's quite a few inside jokes That after about a handful of episodes You'll understand and hopefully get a kick out Of a lot of sound bits that we play on that show That's fun We're here, we're kind of more a little straight football Which is great too Paul, man, I know you're on Twitter a little bit And uh, the people can check you out uh, Once once a month or so here, Right here on Believe in Lions Where we're talking Lions football, man
1: yeah, thanks for having me. Today was a tough day. The XFL championship was supposed to be today. So I appreciate you having me on. It really made me escape the um, the void I've had in my life uh, post-COVID-19. So thanks again.
2: XFL's number one pa- fan, Paul Jackson, at least for the two to three weeks that it existed. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, Talking Lions NFL Draft, I can't believe it's over. We're moving on to 2021 and to see what this crazy world has for the NFL college football and everything else moving forward. Hopefully it all goes well. Thank you all for listening right here on Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and Lions. We'll check you next time right here. Take care, everybody. We're out.
3: I believe, I believe, I believe.
0: I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love
1: the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe.